Welcome to the Illuminating Lives podcast. I'm your host, Israel Smith, and I'm here to share conversations with you about what it means to illuminate our own lives, to be comfortable in our vulnerability, to truly love and value ourselves, and then to be able to use that to light up our own life and shine that light with the people we love and care about the most. This is going to be messy, it's going to be vulnerable, and it's going to be a whole lot of fun. Welcome. Let's get started. Before we get into today's interview with Jason McCleary, I just want to say a couple of things. First of all, how proud I am of this chat and how amazing it is, how much fun I had re-listening to it. But second of all, it took me so long to edit and publish this and the next two interviews that Jason's uh, podcast has actually evolved from the Epic Dad podcast to the Epic Marriage podcast. So when you hear him in the later part of this interview talk about the Epic Dad podcast, It's actually now shifted. So if you go searching for him, you want to be searching for Epic Marriage Podcast with Jason McCleary. The link is in the show notes to his website, which has all the latest links for his podcast and so forth. But I just wanted to point that out at the the outset. Apart from that, thanks for joining me. I'm really glad you're here and I hope you enjoy this conversation. All right. Welcome to Dad's Guide to Thrive. You are with Israel and... It's another great chat where we talk to a real dad about real life and real problems and real solutions and all of the stuff that happens that's never quite written in the books or on the brochures about becoming a dad. So, and you know, on top of all of that, what do we need to thrive? How can we be our best for our family and for our kids and for ourselves and, you know, for our partner and our work colleagues and all that kind of stuff. So before I ramble any further, I'm going to introduce today's guest who is Jason McCleary. So Jason has been a cubicle warrior working in an office gig for the past 15 plus years and has now actually recently started doing work similar to me in that he's coaching dads. Jason runs an amazing podcast called the Epic Dad Podcast, which is how I met him in the first place. He has three children aged from 10 to 14, uh, lives in the States, happily married and has all sorts of cool stories to share with us about the adventure he's been on personally with his own journey of being a better dad over the last little while. So thanks so much for joining me, Jason. Welcome to the party. Yeah, thanks, Israel. I'm, I'm really excited to have this conversation. It was uh, you know great having you on my podcast a, a few weeks ago. And, and so uh, really looking forward to continuing the conversation. Yeah, awesome. Thank you. So give us the short version. What is it you're doing for a job? And then what's kind of been... I guess some of the challenges that you've found within that and being a dad that you've had to sort of overcome. Give us the short version. It's like a, it's like a 25 hour conversation in that one question. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Um, yeah, I guess the short version is, uh, I've been like you you mentioned a cubicle warrior for, you know, 15 plus years in, in normal corporate America. Um, I, uh, work for a IT sales company. Um, and, and so I do a lot of, uh, just talking with customers about, you know, IT stuff. But um, what uh, the struggles that I had within that was, you know, basically I would wake up super early before the kids got up, uh, drive to work. There was like a, you know, roughly hour commute um, before all the COVID stuff, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was roughly an hour commute and, and it was really only like a 20 mile you know, drive. So it was very much bumper to bumper the entire way. Wow. Yeah, um, it's not that far to get in one hour. Is it? Yeah, a long hike. exactly. And, um, you know, it re- became really draining. So, you know, drive hour to work, sit a cubicle for eight hours a day and, 
you know, it, it paid the bills. It got paid pretty well, but it's, it's kind of soul sucking in a way. <laughs> um, just because you're not doing a lot of anything that's really relevant to, you know, building yourself up or building even other people up, uh, which is something that I'm, I'm really passionate about. And then, you know, kind of going home, <clears throat> excuse me, kind of going home another hour plus uh, in traffic and, and just being really drained by the time I got home. And, and by the time I got home, it's dinner time. I, you know, cook dinner and then it's time to get the kids ready for bed and then go to sleep yourself. And then, you know, Groundhog's Day, it's, it's doing it all over again. Um, and it, it got really, really draining. And it came to the point where there were, there were days when I was driving to work and I get about halfway there and I'm like, I just can't do this. And, and, you know, turn the car around and go home and, you wow. know, call in sick for the day. Um, you know, much, much like you, I've, I've struggled with, uh, depression from time to time and some anxiety, uh, along with those kind of soul sucking job and everything. And so I kindly hit to this point where I really needed to figure out what it was that I, I needed to do to get myself out of this funk. Um, and, you know, really got into personal development and, you know, Tony Robbins and, and all that kind of good stuff and really figure trying to figure out how I wanted to come up, uh, how I wanted to show up to my family as a dad, as a husband, and then just as a, a man in general to, you know, the rest of the world. Uh, I really felt like I was just kind of floating down this river, right? And just letting it take me wherever it was going to go and not really having any control uh, of my life whatsoever. And so, yeah, about, uh, you know, three or four years ago, I, I tried, really sat down and thought, you know, who do I want to be as, like I said, a man, a husband, a father, and how do I want to show up to the world and, and become a little bit more intentional in the way that I do things? Um, so I sat down and, and really looked at that identity. Uh, it even went to the point where I wrote down this whole thing. I, I have a notebook that is called My Identity, and it speaks on, you know, I've created a mission statement for every every piece of my life of, of you know, what do I want my, you know, myself to be as a husband? And, and here's the, you know, habits I want to create as that husband to, to become the, the person that I want to be. And yeah, that's been a, it's been a long journey. Um, but that's kind of the quick, quick story of all that. So there's so much that I really look forward to digging into about that. Like firstly, <laughs> you know, as you mentioned before we started, yeah, we've both got that background of being in IT. You know, I lasted <laughs> about four and a half years. You've lasted a lot longer than me in the industry. But I think I can completely relate to that sense of like, what's the point? This is so meaningless. Yeah. This is just a grind. I'm doing it for the money. I'm not doing it because it makes me happy anymore. I'm not doing it because it's interesting or exciting, you know, and, and I feel like, that's one of those things that um, particularly with like COVID and how the world has sort of, you know, shut down and gradually reopened, but, but fundamentally changed. It's given us a lot more time yeah. to reflect, a lot more time. Maybe if we're working from home, we don't have that hour each way to commute. Then we're kind of presented with the confrontation of that question of like, well, what is my life actually going to be about? Mm -hmm. And and I really relate to that sense of it just being a friggin' drain. You know, I remember the one that the contract that broke me, I worked in like a consulting company that was really small. There was only about 10 or 12 of us. 
or basically guns for hire would just go into projects and just help with whatever skill set they needed anything from programming to networking to project management to you name it anyway this one gig i was sitting in a server room that was probably not much bigger than my office which is about kind of 12 (laughs) feet square you know and uh and 12 by 12 feet sort of thing and um and then I had about, I think, 20 or 30 rack-mounted servers buzzing at me. There was no natural light. I was on my own in there with all these computer hardware and I was supposed to be managing like the, and and you'll love this, right, as far as how many steps removed am I from doing something meaningful. I was (laughs) managing the development platform for a team building a website in a computer programming language I knew nothing about. But not only that, it was actually building a website in Japanese because it was for a new Japanese startup that was spinning off from the company I was in where they were hoping to sell like retirement savings products, like financial products to a Japanese market in Japan. I'm like, I can't even read the damn website that we're building as a team here. I have no idea what we're doing. And when I really sat down, I went, well, what's this all about? Like maybe, maybe if I do a good job here at the end of the year, I might contribute to like a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a percent of like uptick in shareholder value. Like that's really the the extent of where I could tangibly measure my impact on the world from the work I was doing. And, you know, and when I had that realized, I'm like, man, my days on this planet, like at the time I probably didn't have the same level of self love and self esteem that I carry now. But even then I was like, I'm worth more than this. I need to find something different. Right. And, and those days when you call in sick, like I wonder, and I've, um, I'm not sure whether you've come across in your travels online an Australian author and and sort of broadcaster called Sarah Wilson. She's written a great book called First We Make the Beast Beautiful. And for everyone listening, if you've ever experienced anxiety or mental health issues, please check out this book. It's incredible. And it takes the premise that she has suffered for a very long time with really crippling, really extreme end anxiety, bipolar, OCD, and a couple of other things. It's like this grab bag full of various conditions. Oh, and she has like a a very challenging um, autoimmune disease to sort of throw into the mix, you know. But but she takes the approach that what if instead of looking at our mental health issues as a burden or a negative, what if we look at it as a bit of a superpower? You know, how do we treat yeah. it as though it's something like a higher sensitivity to what's really going wrong with the way we're trying to live as humans, you know? And that was what came to me as you were talking about, you know, you'd get halfway to work and think, screw this, I'm turning the car around. Like it's the <laughs> that level of pressure that you were sensing and maybe couldn't articulate at the time. I've had the same experience and you go, this is not right. I'm not aligned here. I don't quite know what it is, but this just isn't right. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I totally agree with that. Actually, that that makes a ton of sense because, um, you know, my wife uh, was a teacher for many years, and we actually had about the same con- kind of conversation. She uh, and I'm not stepping out here because she's actually been on my podcast and we've talked about this a little bit, but she suffers from depression too, um, and uh, you know, especially uh, after our first two kids were, were born, she suffered from postpartum, uh, which mm-hmm. kind of just kind of progressed as well. But she kind of had the same things. Like every Sunday, she would just get extremely depressed and she'd be like, I do not want to go to work tomorrow. It's just, it's not my calling anymore. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, those, those feelings that are coming up, uh, I definitely agree. I think they're, 
they're kind of warning signs for are you supposed to be doing what you're actually leaning towards right now you know or is your body trying to tell you this isn't it it's it's something else you need to find what is going to bring you joy and for me it's very much it's why i started the podcast to begin with is i wanted to be able to help other dads to create better lives and once i started ingraining that into even my you know off hours stuff it really started to bring me out of that dark place. It, it, you know, mm. it was me helping to share the gifts, share the things that I've been learning to help myself, uh, help my family be, become, you know, create better relationship with my wife, uh, all that stuff that I had been learning, in, in, you know, up until the, the point where I started my podcast, being able to share all of that with other dads and, and like I said, hopefully make their lives a little bit better just created much more passion for me um mm. moving forward yeah that's it's brilliant it's i've had a very similar experience and it's there are things that we sort of we think oh just i might start this and i might have a bit of a play with this idea and just to exactly. see where it goes right like the podcast interviewing dads and interviewing other people like i'm just going to try it and see what happens and it's that curiosity but then suddenly you realize or i realized and it sounds like you did as well that a, it brings a lot of joy to, and, and satisfaction to your life. And you think, wow, this is really great. I'm really wanting to do this. You know, like I love setting up the camera and the mic and everything for these interviews <laughs> because I just like, oh, yeah, I get to dig into some really meaningful topics and connect really deeply with somebody here. And it's that beautiful energy exchange, but it fills me up. I feel so energized after these conversations. But yeah. then by the same token too, like what is life about other than finding more stuff like that, right? Like really, and if there's stuff in life that that leaves us feeling drained, feeling exhausted in an unhealthy way, like I get that there are days where you put a lot of effort in, your brain's revving pretty high and, and you feel pretty spent at the end of it. But it's like it's like a good tired, right? Like it's that yeah. I've, I've, I've expended today's energy really, really well. I've made good choices. I feel tired and I'm happy about it. You know, the same as like doing a day of yard work or whatever it is, building something with your hands. But by the same token, there is the other end of the spectrum where there's that sense of fatigue of this just sucks. Nothing I do yeah. is going to make this better. This just sucks, right? So um, I guess I'm curious from your perspective, because this is about you, not me. What are the, what are the things that you first started noticing about that you know what was what were some of the little signposts that maybe i want to start a podcast maybe i want to start doing something creative or something outside of my current you know nine to five cubicle gig yeah i think i think i've always been kind of a, a creative person um you know I, I loved art in in school and um was a graphic design major for a very short time uh, in, in college um but the you know, and much like you as a photographer too. So uh, I did that for a little while, but yeah, I think it just wanting to create um, is just filled this little piece of me that, that was kind of missing. And much like you said, like if I do even, even doing things with my hands and doing yard work or, you know, I do construction or woodworking or something like that, it just, it gives me energy. I could, I could do an entire day of, you know, hauling, wood around and, and being, like I said, exhausted, but completely filled spiritually. Right. 
And right. it's just, it's a different feeling than if I'm, you know, even just sitting, you know, I, I live uh, a fair amount away from downtown Chicago. So I'm, I'm probably like an hour and a half train ride into the city. Uh, and occasionally I would have to go into the city for, for my work and I would just be drained on the way home, just, just from the ride on the train. And even though I was just sitting there for an hour and a half, just wow. totally drained and done. And then I get home and the kids would want to play. And I'm just like, I can't guys. I'm just, I'm done. <laughs> I have nothing, nothing left in the tank. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So just, just having those creative outlets, uh, to, to help fill that, that void, um, was something that, that became very, very important to me. And, I think the podcast came about just because I was a big, uh, you know, listener of podcasts. It's just something I, I did mm. on my hour commute <laughs> to, right. to fill the time. Right. <laughs> and, and so I just thought that was a really good medium for me to be creative, find creative ways to find new people, to spread new ideas, um, you know, just find ways to grow as a person and help others grow as well that might be listening. So, Yeah. That's so cool. And I think that like one of the key things that I want to really touch on for everyone listening, all the, all the men and women, whoever's listening, um, what I'm hearing from, from you there, Jason, is that it just started with that little bit of curiosity about, well, what do I really like? Yeah. And, and becoming aware, gently turning that awareness into, well, how do I feel at the end of this experience? And is this an experience that leaves me feeling great or it leaves me feeling really wiped out? And with that nuance of good, tired or just drained energetically, like completely zapped. And and then that curiosity, once you start to follow that, that's when it starts to unlock these little moments where you go, oh, oh, that might be fun, right? Like, I can completely relate to like woodworking stuff has become something really, really interesting to me. And my dad um, was a builder for 45 years. He would build houses, right? And then once he'd retired, he started just turning his hand to kind of just woodworky, crafty things. And he used to get a lot of satisfaction out of it. He was really, really good at it. But I'd never really previously done much in that sphere in that world right i was sort of like oh i might have made like a pencil box when i was in high school (laughs) or something you know something basic with a couple of nails and and a bit of timber but but now i've just since the start of this or since this past year i've made a couple of pieces of furniture for inside the house like bookshelves and i'm going to make myself a desk for the corner behind me and i'm going to learn how to make surfboards out of timber where you build a timber skeleton and then you know wrap them in in timber like thin timber planks and all this and and that to me is really exciting and inspiring. And it just started with that little idea of like, well, oh, do I reckon I could make a bookshelf? Because my wife and I were talking about we need to get some new furniture for the bedroom. We had books kind of all scattered everywhere in this corner. It looked really untidy. And then she'd found some <laughs> stuff online. And it was literally that case of, man, I reckon I can do that. You know, I'm not a rocket scientist. I'm not an engineer. But I reckon I can put a couple of bits of timber together in a way that looks pleasing to the eye and holds our books up and it's a bit neater than and a lot cheaper and a bit more satisfying than going to the store and spending a thousand bucks on some high-end yeah. bookshelf. So yeah. so that was where it began for me. But that bit of curiosity and that awareness. So for everyone listening, I think this really starts with just becoming a little bit more aware of, well, how am I feeling right now? And what have I just been doing? You know, and, and using our skills to reflect and look back at go, well, 
what was I doing an hour ago that might have led me to feel really crappy? Or what was I doing an hour ago that, that has led to me feeling like I can go and run a marathon, like full of juice, you know? I mean, is, is reflection in that way, I imagine so, but is it a part of your life? Like, do you have regular routines around taking time to reflect and assess where things are at? Yeah, I think it's something that I've, I've really put into practice over the last, especially over the last couple of years. Um, you know, I, I have tried to journal from time to time and it never takes a, takes hold <laughs> for me. But, um, yeah, I think for me, I just, um, you know, I, I really start to notice, especially right after I do something or I get a lot of feedback from my wife, quite, quite honestly, we have a really good communication, uh, you know, a relationship that where we communicate really well and she'll, she'll call me out if I'm, if I'm being really, you know, crabby about something or whatever. And then she'll just be like, okay, this is what you need to do. Because I've noticed that when you, you know, work with some wood for a while, then you start to be a little bit happier of a person. Or if you get outside and go for a run, you're not quite so crabby. Um, uh -huh. and, and so, yeah, getting that little feedback loop, um, from my wife has been, has been really important to me. Um, but even not, so I, I've, uh, like I said, I've, I've suffered from depression for many years and it still comes back every once in a while, but I've been able to kind of think about how I'm feeling and what might be causing that now. So I'm, I'm much quicker to catch when I'm in those states, um, mm. than I was even three or four years ago. I mean, it would go, you know, weeks in the past where I was just super down. And now I'm generally like within a couple of days, like, oh, something's definitely up. We need to make sure that we pay attention to what's going on and, you know, what we're doing to make sure that we're getting out of that state on our own. Um, right. Much like you, I've, I've been reluctant to um, do any sort of medicine or anything like that. Not that... Um, you know, I begrudge that to anybody because there are definitely people who, who need that. Um, but for me, I've just noticed, I've been able to, like you said, reflect and, and find ways that uh, have helped me just to be a, a little bit more aware of myself and bring myself out of those states and into a more joyful place. Um, you know, sometimes it's not completely into joy, but you go from, you know, even if you go from depressed to kind of a neutral state, that's it's a positive, right? It's, it's a positive right. improvement over where you were. So, um, just paying attention to that, paying attention to how I interact with my children. Cause that was the first thing that I noticed when I started to get, or when I first had my first rounds of depression is that I was really short with my kids, which is not normally, um, my state. I'm, I'm very even keeled and calm and, and to a point where my wife actually thinks I'm not emotional enough <laughs> at certain times. Um, but yeah, so I, I know I started to notice that I was getting a little short tempered with them and, and it just wasn't, wasn't me. And so I needed to find ways to, you know, catch that early. And so that I can kind of redirect my attention to something that's a little bit more positive. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I hear that too. I think it's, it's as dads, it's one of the things that often, something I certainly see with my clients too, and you can probably relate to this in your own work with dads and the new coaching work you've begun. But often you see men, I see men at least, giving more priority to how they show up for their kids and their partner than they do for how they show up for themselves. Yeah, And I think that, yeah. that sometimes that's the point at which we need to start this conversation. We go, okay, 
if you're not quite ready to really focus on doing it for yourself just yet, that's okay. <laughs> but consider what are the impacts that you're having on the kids, on these beautiful things you've brought into the world. And as you said earlier, you know, how do you want to show up? What kind of person do you want to be? You know, what are the, some of the identity characteristics of, of what that looks like? And I would, I would suggest that First of all, everybody's just doing their best. Every dad in the world is just doing their True. best with whatever tools they've got, right? So, and I just, I say that to reinforce that there's zero judgment, right? Some people are gonna be better at this parenting gig than others. And honestly, sometimes I'm better or worse than I was yesterday or the day before. And maybe today I'm better than what I'm gonna be like tomorrow. Like it is a variable kind of thing, mm. but- Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but when there is that direct feedback, you can start to get, I, th I think it's the awareness of when we are in our emotions rather than in a more calm and rational state Yeah, that we start to see that feedback straight away. Like the kids start to cringe or step away or heaven forbid we've made them cry or made them run to their room in fear or whatever, right? Like these are all things I can relate to firsthand. I've done this to my kids, not that I'm proud of, but that I can speak about it, you know? Um, and then it's in those moments after that, you're like, oh, that feels really bad. I feel that heaviness in my chest that I've just hurt the mm. thing that I love the most. And that's my kids. So that's often a starting point. Was that a big, like when you first started going on this journey and you, you spoke to me about, you know, who you wanted to show up to be, did you find it was easier to think of it in terms of the externals, the kids and the wife, rather than yourself to begin with? Yeah, to begin with, for sure. Um, you know, one of the first things that I, I really worked on myself to uh, become better, I guess, uh, <laughs> was was my health. Um, I was, you know, I wasn't like super overweight, but I was, you know, definitely 30, 40 pounds overweight kind of thing. And mm. It was a much easier to, or I guess it was much more, it became a better priority for myself to actually want to become healthier for my children. Like I want to be there when, you know, to right. walk my daughters down the aisle. I want to be there to, mm. you know, to show them that I'm, I have energy to play with them and all those things, but also to model um, what it looks like to be a healthy individual or at least someone who's trying to be a healthy individual. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think as parents, we, we worry about that a lot is, you know, are kids eating enough? Are they eating too much? Uh, all those things. And, and we don't take into account of what they're seeing us do to be a healthy person <laughs> physically and mentally. And, and so, yeah, it was much easier to to think of it that way is how can I make myself better for them, for my wife? I want my wife to be, you know, more attracted to me if it or whatever. And yeah, and as I went through that process, though, I began, you know, especially I think we talked about this on my podcast, I, I got into running and mm. I noticed that every time I went outside to run, I would just I'd come back and, and I'd be spent, I'd be exhausted, but I would be you know, elated because just I was outside, I was enjoying the fresh air, I was doing something for myself. And it became very much a, I need to do this for me, but it also has positive influences for my kids mm. and my wife as well. There's that beautiful inflection where you start to recognize the benefits for yourself personally, and then you want more yeah. of that for you because you go, oh, I feel so much better after doing this. And I feel so much like you say, healthier, more energized, more elated. Like that's such a beautiful 
beautiful emotion. Like it's it's just, you know, elation. It It's so much more than just, I feel happy. It's like you feel the rush. You feel that vitality yeah. surge, yeah. right? Like, and really that once, I suppose I'm, I'm laboring this point because I know that in the conversations I've had with men, we're very reluctant at the outset to think of ourselves as worthy or valuable enough of doing the work just for ourselves. Like the, yeah. you know, the intrinsic motivation is much more difficult to come by at the outset than the extrinsic where you go, all right, for those people, I will gladly walk over coals. I will go for a run, sweat like crazy, feel uncomfortable, stop eating the chocolates and the sweets, like whatever it is. All the stuff that you've no doubt gone through and I've gone through in our various health journeys, you know, to be and and when you think the long term modeling, like it's not just about what do you want to get out of this, but how do you want them to grow up? Because it is absolutely true. Monkey see, monkey do, right? Like I literally just had that conversation with my kids about usage of phones. My son's got an old mm. phone that doesn't have a, a, a SIM card and it. it's just an it's an iPad iPod. He just uses it to listen to music, but obviously it's got a browser on there. It's got Apple News. It's got all the other sure. stuff and YouTube. And so he just jumps on the Wi-Fi and starts looking at it. I'm like, well, there's part of this is, you know, there's an addiction or a curiosity there that is just intrinsic to the device. But part of it is what he sees me do. And part of it's what he sees his yeah. mum do and his big sister, right? So, so yeah, absolutely that. And, and to then turn that around, I've also seen firsthand when I get myself up to do some yoga or you know do something fit and healthy activity wise my son feels more interested in doing that so he'll get out and you know do a little bit of skipping and some exercise and bounce on the trampoline for ages and all that and you know he comes in huffing and puffing and really (laughs) that was hard but really you know but feels really great afterwards and you know so there's that lovely emotional leveling that comes from it yeah it still is a lot of um a lot of pride, I think, in mm-hmm. yourself and, and your kids too. When they when they've done something that, you know, they think, oh, look at what dad did, and I can do it too. And and you know, I think a yeah. lot of that that you're modeling is, like I said, it, it's pride. It's it's wanting to be like you. It's you know, and if you, you're, I, I know so many guys that are, they kind of throw around that that pride, if you will, of well, you know, I work 14 hours a day, and I you know, I got to I got to feed the family. And they're not, they're not seeing what they are modeling to those kids and, and that you really have to, you know, it takes, it takes money to be a provider instead of, I don't know, love or affection or time or, or whatever it might be. And, and I think that that is something that we need to kind of work through. And, and I don't know if that's, you know, more of a, an American thing or whatever, but, um, you know, no. It, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> As far as I, I can think, tell, I've spoken to dads from around the world. This is a universal male <laughs> yeah. kind of psyche thing. Yeah, I think we need to kind of reconsider what we consider or, or you know, our definition of provider um, as a man, as a father. You know, there, there is obviously a, a monetary and, and financial component that we have to take care of our kids and, and feed the family and, um, you know, be able to take our kids on vacation every once in a while or whatever. But more than that, we need to, to show our children that, you know, our, our passions are much more for life versus just going to work every day and, and just to feed the family. Because I, I don't want that for my kids. I don't want them to work 14, 16 hours a day just to, just to get more toys, right? I, I want them to yeah. be able to enjoy their life and enjoy 
whatever it is they decide to do as a career. Um, and then, you know, pass that along to their kids as well and, and show, I don't know, just show that, that time is more important than money. A lot of, you know, a lot of, in a lot of cases. Um, so yeah, I think that, that modeling is just, it's really important in in pretty much everything you do. And that was, (laughs) that was a big part of my, you know, my identity notebook is like, Mm. what are the habits I want to make sure that my kids see me doing so that they can take that on as well. I love that. There's actually, you know, like that, that whole piece there for me is just awesome. Like the piece about what are the habits I want my kids to see me do that they will then start to model and start to, you know, almost by osmosis begin to either adopt or recognize as, okay, well, that's how an adult should operate in the world. But yeah, but also the part about, you know, a definition of, I guess, in a sense, what it is to be a man, what it is to be a father yeah. and a husband and like that. That notion of the provider, I guess, well, I don't know. I'm, I'm not an anthropologist, so I can't really speak with any authority <laughs> on this, but I imagine that it's actually part of that evolutionary thing of like, you know, the big strong man goes out and clubs the animal to death right. and brings it home and feeds the crew, you know? And and in, in a way, I know some people who are in like sales training who still use that, you know, whatever I get to hunt and kill, I get to eat. You know, I'm like, okay, great. <laughs> Interesting. You talk about solving problems for customers as hunting and killing. Good. Find it a little bit unusual personally, but that's okay if that's what gets you over the line. But but I feel like there's um, there's a there's a nuance to that too because so much of the way the world operates now is not that kind of linear binary mode, right? There are single yeah. dad families, there are single mum families, there are families with two dads that I know, and there are families with two mums that I know, and you know, as well as the typical mum and dad as a family unit with the kids, mum goes out to work, dad stays home, dad goes out to work, mum stays home. Like, it's really, like, I find it both really exciting, but I also perhaps can appreciate that that's part of what's caused a chunk of confusion in the, in the mix as well, because we're sort of going, well, shit, what is our role, you know? Mm. But then, I don't know, my instant reflex answer to that is, well, my role is whatever I define it as. Yep. Right. And, and whatever yep. works within my immediate family. And I think that might be part of where, you know, you're obviously very accepting of that as well, because, you know, you and I are both guys who have done a fair chunk of that inner excavation on the personal development style thing to, you know, what makes us really tick at a very deep core level with our belief systems and our identities and our values and all of that. But then for the dads that haven't done much of that, even if you were just to ask yourself, what does it mean to you? about you know being a man in a family what does it mean to you about being a woman in a family like what's the dad's role what's the mum's role and then ask the question does that need to be true is that actually like written in stone somewhere incontrovertible fact not really these are all social constructs that we've invented and then agreed to so i don't know we could, you know, we could yeah. rant about this for hours, but I just think that the important, <laughs> the important piece there is that that how we define it. Look, here's here's basically the bottom line from my perspective. Anyway, when I try and you know think about all these threads that we're weaving at the moment, for a lot of men listening to this, what they've been doing for a long time just isn't working anymore. 
for you and I, we reached a point where what we had been doing just stopped working. It worked until it didn't. Yeah, that definition exactly. of the man in the family means you go out and you earn the money and you put everything first apart from your own needs and your own well-being because it's your job to provide and feed the family and put a house over the uh, over everyone's head, a roof over the head and all that. Like those things have traditionally been okay as as models, but yeah, they stopped working for you and I a while ago and we started looking elsewhere. And I imagine that there's yeah. a lot of guys starting to find that same problem in which case, then we have to think, well, okay, what else can it look like? Tell me, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think you're right. And and just to step back on the, the provider piece too, one of the things that I that I guess have issue with the, the a man being a provider is that you're you're even in the traditional man goes to work and, and woman stays home, you're negating everything the woman does to provide for the family oh, you know, yeah. within the household. Um but yeah, I think the traditional roles or even, you know, how we're defining ourselves as man and woman, I don't know if there are any definitions anymore, quite honestly. Like you said, I think it's more of what, how do you identify yourself as a man? How does, how does, do you want to show up for your wife, your family, you know, if it's a heterosexual kind of marriage, um, but also working with your partner to be, okay, these are my roles. What do you want your roles to be? And how can we play off of each other's strengths and weaknesses to make sure that we are successful as a family? So, yeah. yeah. I love that because it sort of, it underpins the whole concept of a marriage where it is meant to be a partnership, right? Like exactly. or a relationship yeah. of any kind is meant to be a partnership where two people are better together than they are apart. And so in that context, um, Absolutely. Absolutely yeah. agree. And and I think the thing that we often forget is that we always have choice. Hmm. We always have choice, right? Like it's, 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 sometimes the choices are really shit. Sometimes we're just not prepared to make the choice, right? I get that. But, but we always, you know, like I, I am free to choose to go out and drive on the wrong side of the road without a seatbelt <laughs> and all the rest of it. Doesn't mean I'm free from consequences and doesn't mean that the choice exactly. is going to be a good one, but I can make that choice, you know? Yeah. And and that's that's kind of an absurd extreme to that nature of choice, but it always exists. And so then we can get to say, well, yeah, how do we choose to show up? And then using the stuff we spoke about earlier in our chat about like what gives us joy, what feels fills us up and leaves us spiritually satisfied and content yeah. and enriched. That I think those pieces are sort of the pieces that we could use to say, okay, maybe this is the angle that for us personally, for our family immediately that we need to start looking in. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's something that, that my wife and I have been really working on together over the last couple of years to, you know, find, find the joy for both of us. Um, she's also, you know, has her own business entrepreneur. So we, we both work out of the home, we're together all day. <laughs> um, uh -huh. and, and so we have to figure out, <clears throat> excuse me, we have to figure out ways to, like I said, just kind of play off of our strengths and weaknesses and and notice when the other one is, you know, a little bit down and, and how can we help to, to pick them back up or just give them space to grieve or, you know, be crabby for a few minutes or whatever it is that they need and not try to be there to, you know, quote unquote, fix each other. So, right. Yeah. So good. Yeah. I 
Oh man, like <laughs> every every comment you bring up like brings up another four hour conversation in my head, like about you know about the fact that so many couples are now working in the same place that they're living. Yeah. Um, my wife and I have been doing that since two thousand five, so we've kind of had a long history of working together with each other in the same building as the we like as we live, but. Um, but it just recently got brought to our attention, or I say recently, like last 12, 18 months, that that we had kind of devolved into this heavily codependent relationship where we were mm. getting all up in each other's stuff and like not staying in our own lane of what are we responsible for for ourselves individually, you know? And, and definitely the conversation about trying to fix the other person and, you know, trying to control or, or you know, over over the top influence the other person because of what we thought was best for them like it just takes yeah. away any agency takes away any any empowerment it, it becomes a really unhealthy messy way to live as a, as a married couple so um i reckon there's probably another chat i'm going to have to have in there somewhere with, with you and maybe <laughs> some other dads about you know the nature of, of healthy work together yeah. work from home work in the same space as partner kind of conversations like it's it's yeah you know, what it can does be that, complicated what does that for sure <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely so look, I um, I think that there is, there's so much good stuff that's come out of of this, and I, I'm really curious to hear from your journey and from your experience, what would be like the one thing that you would say start with, like to any of the mums and dads listening who are maybe having that same sense of like I feel like there's a uh, an identity crisis or or a mm-hmm. sense that. I'm no longer aligned. This is no longer working for me. I'm drained as anything. What would be the first thing you would suggest on on the list of things to do or to consider or reflect on? Yeah, I, I think for me, and, and it is, it's work. Um, but yeah, like I said, I I started. I, I literally started a my identity folder and wrote down, you know, everything that I thought. I wanted to be and took nothing into consideration of who I already thought I was. Like, I want to be a healthy individual, which you're already 50 pounds overweight. It doesn't matter. It's, it's what do you want to be as a, as a husband, as a father, as a person and how, you know, how, how do we, if you're looking at somebody who you have, or you think has those ideals that you're looking for, what are the habits that they're doing right now? to that are getting them there and then how can i pull that into my life um you know for me it was it was running it was eating healthier and and that's kind of the first thing i did i I didn't want to try and change everything all at once just because i i I knew myself and i knew it was going to be way too too much for me and and i'd go a couple weeks and then i'd be right back to where i was and just kind of give up um but yeah i think i think the biggest part when people are, are trying to change, they're making a change like, well, I've always done this in the past. And, and you just have to drop it. You have to let it go. You have to take the lessons that were learned from it, from your past experience and just say, that's not me anymore. This is the person I want to be. And these are the things that I'm going mm-hmm. to do to get there. And, and mm-hmm. it can be hard for sure. Cause you know, you, you always have these doubts in the back of your mind is like, well, you know, I, I dieted for two, you know, two weeks every year at the beginning of the year. Every year I do the, the you know, the New Year's resolutions, but I always quit in February or whatever. 
Yeah. And you just have to kind of let yourself, let that stuff go. Give yourself some grace to say, well, it doesn't have to be that way, right? It, it, how can I make it easy? How can I make it smaller steps then? If, if these things were too much for me in the past, how can I make it smaller to make sure that I'm, you know, I, I get my gym clothes on every morning. If that's the smallest step that you can do right now, awesome, do it. Mm. And eventually mm. you'll start building in those other habits to, to make you, you know, get you to where you want to be. So if it's more date nights with your wife, you know, just even if it's just blocking off the calendar, you know, once a week or, or once a month or whatever it is, just to make sure you're sitting down and chatting for 20 minutes, uh, you know, during that, that given time, a little step is, will get you a long way eventually. So true. That's so true. I love that. And I think that some of the, like I have a really good memory for all of the things that I've started and then not finished or all of the things yeah. that I've started and failed and, you know, and, and I think it's taken me quite a while to, um, to identify and to eventually sort of as, as best I can at this point, heal that inner voice. That's just so critical of all of the times I've tried yeah. and failed and all of the stuff that I, Oh yeah, you know, you, you used to be a really good runner and now you'd be lucky to do five Ks without blowing out, you know? And, oh yeah, you used to do this or you've tried this every other week or how many times have you tried a, a writing practice and all, you know, all this stuff. Like, like you said, you know, journaling never quite took hold. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but, and, and I think sometimes, sometimes it's because often we think that we're the heroes of the universe and we can just pick up something instantly yeah. make it an embedded habit immediately and then just, you know, execute perfectly forever from today. <laughs> but then the thing that I find so beautiful is when we think about this, what we're really doing is we're working with, for our own habits and for our own sense of who we want to show up as, we're working with basically our inner child. Like we're working with that part of us that is learning something new. Yeah. And when we think back to as dads, we can see firsthand how many times we have to ask our kids to brush their damn teeth before they go to bed <laughs> before it becomes an unconscious habit, right? And still they right. resist it. There are some nights when I resist it still where it just, ah, oh, screw that. That's, I just can't be bothered. I'm too tired, right? No, you don't want to like kill your wife in the morning with really, really bad breath. So just go brush your teeth or no, I don't want to be at the dentist getting, you know, replacement root canal stuff, all the rest of it. But but that's the funny thing about being human, right? Like we have these, <laughs> these characteristics, we learn these things, but it takes a while for it to become yeah. embedded as a habit. And like the word you used, grace, it's a word I use all the time with my clients and with myself and with my family. Just like, we just need to give ourselves grace that we're human. We're learning yeah. as we go through this. We haven't got it all figured out right this second. And it takes time, right? Like changing behaviors. It's like steering the Titanic in a lot of respects because so much of what we do day to day happens on autopilot that we're trying to firstly bring awareness to something. Secondly, reflect on that awareness. Is it working for us or is it not the way we're currently operating? Thirdly, create something new. And that, and then from that, fourthly, like try and go, okay, now let's create that new habit and embed that behavior. But what I also love what you said is that, you know, let everything go, like literally work from an utterly blank canvas of 
I can create anything that I want for my life. What do I want my life to look like? Because so much of our thoughts are shaped by who we have been yesterday or last month or last week. So much of our belief about what's possible is based on what we have either done or failed to do in the past. But the truth is every day is a new opportunity to choose differently and to be a new version of ourselves. So I, that honestly, I think that is just so friggin' choice, but just like zero out everything else, like erase the ledger, start from today is all I've got to work with. And the choices I make today are all that matter. doesn't matter what happened yesterday. doesn't matter what's happened like 10 years ago right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can, you can only live in this moment, right? It, there's no, going back to the past and changing anything. So what is the point of fretting over something that happened five years ago or something that you did five years ago? Now, if it's Mm -hmm. something you need to make amends for or something like that, obviously do that. But you know, making a mistake and then beating yourself up for it just compounds the problem. So just let it go and continue on. Perfect. Do you know, I think I'm happy to leave our chat there. Like, I think that's just a really beautiful end piece for us. But I do want to ask, what is it that people can do to connect more with you, Jason, and to learn more about you? Obviously, there's Epic Dad Podcast, which I'll definitely link in the show notes. But where else can people find you and and connect up if they want to learn more about what you're doing? Yeah, that's the that's the number one spot. So epicdadpodcast.com is the the website, but you can find it on all the the Spotify and Apple and, and everything, um, your your podcast or your episode will, will come out in, in a couple, probably next month. Uh, I don't know when this will air, but um, we we might overlap on the in the ether somewhere <laughs> between now and when this goes to air as well. <laughs> awesome. Uh, there is a as epicdadcoaching.com is in the works. However, that's not live just yet. Um, but that is where we'll have, uh, more information on the coaching and, and myself. Um, but yeah, epicdadpodcast.com right now is, is the best place to get me or, or Instagram's epic.dad.podcast, I believe. So <laughs> fantastic. I'm <laughs> sure the, uh, the, the website for the podcast will have all the, the right links to the socials yes, as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, perfect. Listen, I'm so, so grateful for your time. I know the, uh, the joys of time zone shuffling mean that it's getting <laughs> on into the evening for you over there in the States. So thank you for staying up a little to hang out with me. And oh, no worries. hopefully you, you get to, me. you know, kiss your kids goodnight before they go to bed just up now. And um, yeah, I'm really excited to keep staying in touch, Jason, because I think there's so much that, that you stand for that is really aligned with what I stand for. And, and that, yeah. you know, we need to collect more dads like this to really build this this ground shaking kind of movement of like realignment for dads so that we can thrive so that we can feel like we're showing up as the guy we want to be not the guy society tells us we have to be not the guy that we got modeled by our parents Mm. but the guy we choose so ah with that thank you so much and we will see everybody again on the next episode of dad's guide to thrive Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Illuminating Lives podcast. Please help me reach more people by sharing this podcast with your loved ones and leaving me a great five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Remember, I work as a one-to-one coach and professional speaker, helping dads in business and leadership find more peace, feel less stress, and be the best parent, husband, and leader they can be. If you'd like to work with me or have me present to your organization, please contact me via my website or social media. All the links are in the show notes. 
Until next time, may you be free, may you be happy, may you be healthy, may you be loved, and may you live with ease.